Lean forward slightly. Look straight at the speaker. And listen with a sparkle in your eye. As though you might be thinking, gee, this is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard in all my life. Live from Hollywood, California, this is So I Married a Movie Geek! Hello everyone, welcome to yet another rousing edition of So I Married a Movie Geek. I'm Chrissy McQueen, Justin Winters, as always, my better half, is on my left. And can I just tell you how excited I am to tell you all that we saw two movies featuring hardcore driving this weekend? Yes! Ryan Gosling in Drive and License to Drive with the two Corys. Justin. Yes. Can I say something real fast? Yes. I'm going to out you a little bit. I'm gay, everyone. (laughs) Well, I wasn't going to say that, but... Okay, what are you talking to do? Is that what you were saying? No. Okay. I was going to say that usually you either see a movie once in the theater or you don't see it at all in the theater and you wait for it to come to Netflix streaming or a pirate bay near you. Instead, you saw Drive twice in the theater this weekend because you loved it so much. Um, yeah, you were there too. No, I know. I'm outing you. Well, I just outed you. You were there, too. I'm gay? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm a lesbian. Are we each other's beard? Um, I can't grow a beard. You can. You choose not to. Which I'm fine with. No, it's like weird counter reeves, like scratchy beard. Patchy beard? Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we went to see it on Friday night. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Liked it so much that we went to see it on Sunday as well. Although I have to ask, I mean, was half the reason you wanted to see it a second time was just because you adored the soundtrack so much? Half the reason? Yeah. I don't know if it was half the reason. It was part of the reason. I was assuming half or thereabout because from like the minute... Ten percent. From the minute the first movie started, you were like, oh my god, I love this. Chrissy, you hate this music, don't you? I love it. And then you went home and you were like, can we use your iTunes gift card to download the soundtrack? And then six hours later, you were like, you want to go see Drive again? <laughs> well, we'll talk about what makes the soundtrack so good. But yes, that was part of the reason. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, you know why I wanted to see Drive. Because Ryan Gosling was in it. Yep. Cool. <laughs> Uh, Well, it's a new obsession for me, as I was trying to explain earlier. I mean, obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio will die hard in my heart. Like, that, he's not being Die hard? (laughs) No. He was was not in Die Hard. No, he was not. But I'm saying, like... Although, (laughs) it would have made it much... It would be an interesting movie. Die Hard, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. It would have been pretty amazing. The point I'm trying to make is that he will forever retain the number one spot in my heart, which, by the way, will go on. And it's Ugh, like, that was terrible. I know, and but like nothing will knock him. I, truly, like nothing can knock this man out of that place. No matter how old he gets, no how much, no matter how many bags under his eyes, I don't care. Like I don't care what he looks like. He's my number one for life. So that means that number two is always kind of open to whomever I'm really into at the moment. That person is Ryan Gosling. Awesome, good for him. Yeah, and you have the same nose. We do. We do. You do. Well, a lot of drive is spent um, 
obviously watching him drive. And so it's a profile shot. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I got a really good mental image of Ryan Gosling's profile. And I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking at your profile right now. And I'm thinking, I know that nose from somewhere. Where do I know it? Oh, yeah. Ryan Gosling's face. Oh, wow. We're nose buddies. You could be nose buddies. Cool. Lucky me. So, but what did you think of the movie as a whole? You know, it's funny. Um, I had so much to say after we first saw it. And then the second time I was like, oh, I have even more to say. And now I'm just, I feel like I'm blown away by it all. Almost to the point where I don't know what to say. Wow. This is going to be a great podcast. No, no. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. But just let's put that as number one. I was blown away. You were blown away. I really was. Uh, I didn't expect it to be as good as it was, which I say often, but honestly, I th- I feel like the best movies are the ones that you don't expect much from because then they surprise you. So this obviously surprised me. I knew that there was going to be some kind of like homage to 80s action, maybe car chase sort of stuff in there, like I knew from the trailer. And um, so I, I hate to say that I had an 80s, anti-80s bias, but I was kind of like, meh. Whatever, Ryan Gosling's hot. I'll just watch him. But um, I really enjoyed it, especially for such little dialogue. And because also I'm a really dialogue-heavy person. Ryan Gosling, maybe, if you really look at his lines, had maybe ten pages of dialogue. It's true. He was a man of few words. He was a man of few words. I find that's the truth for him usually, though, in his movies. Have you seen a movie where he's, like, a man of a lot of words? Uh, Blue Valentine. Yeah, the last movie we saw him in. You feel like he talked a lot in that? I feel like he didn't talk very much. Uh, I think he talked a lot, and that was the pro- one of the big problems. He talked too much. I just feel like he begged Michelle Williams to come back a lot. He was Chatty Cathy. I didn't see that. <laughs> I mean, I saw the movie, I just didn't notice that he was Chatty Cathy. Um, okay. Um, I didn't know it was going to be as violent as it was, and that was something. It was. So, yeah. But it's not violent right off the bat. The violence kind of grows on you when you, it like leaps up at you and you least expect as if to say like, ah, violence. Yeah. And that's when Chrissy like hits me. I didn't hit you. You like knock things over. I did not. I went. (laughs) No, but you went like this. I did flail. It's true. Octopus limbs. (laughs) Octopus limbs. I just flailed a little bit. Cool. Well, you know what? You want to know what I thought? Yeah. I thought it was. Is that your awesome face or your O face? I can't tell. <laughs> My O face. Because you're like, Ugh. I thought it was excellent. Excellent. No. And why? Um, it was like one of those movies where you're watching it in the theater and you're and you're like, was this movie made for me? <laughs> you're like looking around. You know, you, you know when you're like watching a movie and then you. All of a sudden, you look around, and you're like, look at all these people. They're enraptured with this movie. I'm like, just like me. Yeah. Or do you almost feel like you had a hand in it, even though you didn't? Like, you almost feel a certain loyalty to it, like it's your movie, even though you did nothing to help make it? Thank you for making this just for me. Yeah. No, like, pretty much everything, (laughs) you're like, 50% of the was the soundtrack. I'm like... No, pretty much everything involved <laughs> was like, yes, good job on that. So there yes. was nothing that you would change. Um, I wish I it would have been longer. Oh my god. <laughs> you would. You would. No, okay. So here. <laughs> this movie was like, 
relentlessly cool. Like, it was so cool, I wanted to have, like, sex with it cool. Like, it was like, ugh, yes. I love that the very first thing you said on this podcast was that you were gay, and now you want to have sex with a movie. I didn't, well, you said that you wanted to out me, and we did discuss that before. <laughs> I was just wondering, should I be a little bit worried that A, you're gay, and B, you want to have sex with a movie? <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. I do, I'm kidding. Go ahead. The, you know, there's the, the, there's not a lot of movies that you're like, okay, that is the epitome of coolness. And pretty much Drive is that. I agree with you. Um, just the whole vibe throughout the movie, I was just like, yes. Okay, so top, from, top to bottom. Overall, it was a um, movie that was kind of an homage to the 70s type driver movies like Michael Mann or um what else the Walter Hill movie The Driver it had an 80s sensibility in that it had like an 80s synth soundtrack (laughs) it's title sequence is straight out of Risky Business yeah totally I noticed that um what's with the hot pink like cursive font and then it also had a lot of homages to like uh like the westerns of like Clint Eastwood, the man with no name, you know, the guy rides into town, very mysterious. Um, and then what you else? You lost me there. I don't see any western homage yeah, to this. <laughs> he's never seen any western westerns anyway. Yes, they have. Like what? The Quick and the Dead. That's it. Nah, cowboys um, and aliens. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, Ryan Gosling, we just saw an interview with him on, on Conan, Conan, and he said that it was kind of like a a John Hughes movie where people get their faces bashed in. He was like, it's pretty in pink with, like, head bashing. Not banging, bashing. And, um, it also had a bit of a superhero vibe, which we'll talk about, just because I never really noticed it as much until, after the first time we watched it, I read an interview with uh, Gosling where he's like, you know, I haven't been able to do a superhero movie and I always wanted to do a superhero movie and I kind of thought Drive was my chance to be a superhero. Okay. We can discuss that. Um, but yeah, directing, soundtrack, performances, leading and supporting. Um, it's, it's based in my, you know, one of my favorite cities of all time. LA? Los Angeles. <laughs> Good um, here. Yeah, I mean, like I said, there's pretty much nothing I would have changed about it besides making it longer. Well, let's discuss Gosling for a second, and besides the fact that he's extraordinarily good-looking, which we already know. Yes. Okay. He's extraordinarily good-looking. God, he is. (laughs) Okay, so beyond that, I have to make myself get beyond that. Okay. Because he's in almost every shot, and because, as we previously discussed, he is such a man of few words, especially in this movie... He has to have something more going on for him that makes you want to root for him, makes me want to watch the rest of the movie, you know, care about his relationships. Well, you, you can communicate without speaking, and he's very good throughout this movie of doing that. He's the king of awkward pauses. Yeah. He's the king of doing a lot with his eyes. He's got a good smile on him that he uses to mm-hmm. affect in terms <laughs> of... Um, Wooing uh, the character played by Carrie Mulligan. What'd you say? Chrissy McQueen? What? <laughs> You're like, was that me? <laughs> me? Is that me? No, um, but he, um, he did that. But, uh, and then just uh, subtle actions throughout the movie of 
It's very subtle. Building tension, like with the he's got his driving gloves. Yes. That, you know, just the the sound of him clenching, clenching his knuckles with the driving gloves on. He had a few mannerisms that I really picked up on the second time we saw it. Or the thing with his um, his toothpick. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the toothpick was almost like neutral for him. Like toothpick was a neutral position for him. Obviously, you saw whenever he was wearing his driving gloves and then he clenched his fist, usually just one, mm -hmm. it meant that shit was going to go down. Yes. Like, and he was just, it, it's funny because he said himself, I don't carry a gun. Mm -hmm. And so he has no way of really defending himself other than his, you know, personal being. Just, but, you know, like every time I saw his fist kind of clench, I was like, oh, shit's about to go down. Or he thinks it's about to go down. Most of the time it does. And another thing that he did, and this was a big tell as well that I noticed the second time around. Mm -hmm. um, there are only a, a, another uh, couple of actors whom I've seen do this where I, I appreciate that. And I, it's going to sound really silly when I say it, but Leo does this too. Oh, it's no. a No, it's right here um, towards your ear. Guys who have strong jaw lines. If you look between the area between the bottom of their earlobe and their jaw... When they clench it, you can see this little muscle move. Like, it's like a little clench, jaw clench. And you can actually see it. No, it's like right here. And, I know where it is. And I have one, too. I can't do it on my own face because I don't have that strong jawline. But, like, it's a jaw clench. And yes. every time he did it, I was like, oh, no. What's going to happen? Exactly. Oh, no. And I got excited. I, I didn't actually say that in the theater. They would have kicked me out. All right, so Ryan Gosling really carries the movie, obviously, because he's in every frame and because he's very subtle. How'd you feel about Carrie Mulligan? I like Carrie Mulligan. I like her a lot as an actress. I feel like sh anybody could have done this part, though. Well, she had... If, if he had ten pages of, of dialogue, she had about three. True. So, you know, there wasn't a lot to go with there. She's got a very warm face. Very yeah. compatique. She smiles well, which yes. which she had to do a lot. It was either her smiling well or her being aghast at something he had just done. But, like, whereas Ryan is subtle, she's almost overly subtle. Like, there's a scene in the hall where her Overly subtle? Yes, let me explain. There's a scene in the hallway where Carrie Mulligan's husband, uh, which we already know has been in prison for a while, but just got out. And there's never any confrontation, but he's kind of introducing himself to... Gosling's character, and I keep saying Gosling because he has no name. They just call him the kid or the driver of the whole movie. Um, and he's like, so you, you've been helping out, man? Yeah, helping out. And the way he says that, obviously he's implying that, like, is there more going on, but he's not going to make a big scene or, or deal out of it. He's just, like, kind of putting his cojones out there and being like, so, yeah, you're helping out. And Carrie is just kind of there. I just feel like she's kind of there. Whereas if a, a real woman was caught in that position of, like, you know your husband's history. You know he has a temper, obviously. He's been in jail for it, even though we don't know what he did, but he admits himself it was rather heinous. Mm -hmm. And there's a confrontation going down in the hallway with your new friend, whom you have a crush on, and your husband who just got out of prison. I would think that you would have a slight more reaction, even just facially, than just kind of standing there and being like, I can take the trash out. I don't remember her face during that scene. But... Very subtle. Extraordinarily so, to the point where I was like, you're in the scene. I mean, basically, all she had to do was, I mean, her character was someone that, like, when you look at it, you're like, I want to protect her, you know? I want to protect her from all this violence, crime, you know, 
all these possibilities going on around her and her kid. Yeah, it was the kid, though. That's it. I think it was like a Jerry Maguire complex where he loved the kid first and her second. Really? Yeah. No, I think it was both of them. Both of them, yes. Well, and so was Jerry Maguire. Was but he loved Jonathan Libnicki just a little bit more than Renee Zellweger. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know where you got that from, but okay. What are you talking about? She even makes a point about it. She's like someone who really loves my kid and really likes me a lot. It's a whole scene okay. in that movie. I understand Jerry Maguire. I'm just right. talk, I, I don't see the equal the you saying it's equal to Jerry Maguire this movie. Well, he's very into the kid, which is totally cool. But well, he's he's into the kid because the kid, uh, you know, is very simple like him. He likes to watch mm-hmm. cartoons, and I don't know. Ryan got <laughs> he's like he's, he's like very simple. He's like the volume for the kid. Like every time you saw him, the kid was falling asleep. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I could, knew he's the bad guy. He could not stay awake because he's a shark. Well, that's that, that scene has a lot of uh, symbolism. Symbolism, yeah, it's exactly. True. Yeah, but um, yeah, I feel like she could have been a little more. I mean, she's got a warm face. You do kind of want to protect her, but. She I, she could she didn't do very much with her role. She was good, acceptable. Just didn't do very much with it, which is saying something because I really like Carrie Mulligan. Hmm. Well, again, I I disagree. I I think that she didn't have a lot to go on again because she didn't have a lot of lines herself. But with what she did, she you know, I think she did well. She was a she she was a Denny's waitress. I feel like Michelle Williams could have done it better. Michelle Williams. Yeah, imagine, if, just for a second, like, imagine Michelle Williams doing that part. She's got to... the same. No, I... Like I said, are you wanting the character to be more, or do you no. want... Okay, well, then I don't understand how she could have done better. She, she, she was just very simple in her approach to the character, and, and like I said, her acting was subtle to the point of being, like, extraordinarily... Subtle. I feel like with Michelle Williams, even though she's also a very subtle actress, you can still kind of read what's going on in her head, even when she's not, you know, saying it or making, you know, cartoon faces to put it out there. Like, you can still kind see, of I, see what's I, going on in her head. I wouldn't have bought Michelle Williams with uh, the guy as much as I bought Carrie Mulligan. I didn't with buy Carrie Mulligan with the guy at all, which also was a weird part for me. She was too pretty for him? She was too... Too simple. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I get that when he, once he told the story about how they met at a party and then like a year later the kid popped out, I was like, well, that was a one night stand that she, you know, he stuck around longer than she thought he would. Um, no, I just, I don't know. I think you were just jealous. The, what, I wanted to be with Standard? Huh? No, you wanted to be with Ryan Gosling. Yes, I did. <laughs> And did and will. You're like, damn you, Carrie Mulligan. You're too simple. She, (laughs) the driver needs someone complex like me. No, no. Someone that can fill those awkward silences (laughs) with lots of words because (laughs) I talk a lot and, you know, I can talk enough for the both of us. Ryan Gosling's character would have made a good journalist in this because one of the rules of journalism is that you just shut up. Let the other person talk because eventually they will like out all their secrets to say something because there's a natural human impulse to fill silence. Oh, I know that all too well. And he did that a lot, especially with standard. Shut your face. He'd be like, um, you know, well, why do those guys want to know? And he's like, why do you? And standard would be like, why do you not want to know why? And what business is this of yours, driver? And then he wouldn't actually say anything back to him. And then standard would spill everything to fill the silence. 
So he'd be a good journalist. <laughs> there you go, driver. You could be the driver and the journalist. <laughs> He's driving to CNN. <laughs> I mean, he, he only had three jobs in the movie. He might as well have another one. <laughs> That's the first, when I watched it the first time, I'm like, man, people who are like unemployed to go see this movie must be like, wow, this guy's got a lot of jobs. He's the drive, he's, he, you know, he's a stunt car driver, he's a mechanic, and he's, you know, a getaway driver. They're all correlated. I mean, technically I have three jobs. But it was never about money with him. Like he, he's like, hey. he, he just like wanted something to do all the time because he was, you know, isolated and lonely. He was extraordinarily isolated. I keep saying extraordinarily, but it was very kind of like black and white in this movie. Like, did you see his apartment? I know he just moved into it, but what was that? It was like a table and an Ikea lamp. I know. I Because the second time we, we went to see it, when we were leaving, somebody was like, why didn't he do this at the end? And I was like, didn't you see his apartment? Obviously, he didn't care about money. <laughs> he had like one light, like a, a book, like one book. <laughs> I was like, obviously, he's not dating anybody and like ha- planning on having them over. He just, like, stands and looks out the window. Or he takes his carburetor home with him to fix. Was that a carburetor? I think that's what that was. Really? I think so. I watched a Sick by the Bell episode once where they had to assemble a carburetor. Tori won. <laughs> the things you learn. <laughs> um, okay, so so would I assume that Carrie Mulligan was your the weakest link for you? Yeah, but even then, like, although I harped on it quite a bit, I'm really being nitpicky. I still enjoyed it very much with her in the role. Okay. Well, my favorite part... I know what's coming. Huh? Nothing. Go ahead. I think you're cute. What? What's coming? No, no. Go ahead. Do it. What do you mean, do what? Please just... No. Psh, don't let me usurp this. Go ahead. Uh, I like Albert Brooks a lot in this movie. Albert freaking... Brooks, okay? I'm sorry. When I think of Albert Brooks, I think of The Simpsons. Why do you think of The Simpsons? Because he's done guest stuff on there. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. No, but I think of him in other things, too. Like what? The stuff where he plays a good guy. <laughs> what? Why are you putting me on the spot? Christy saw broadcast news with yeah. Robert Brooks, yeah, where, he, yeah. where he sweat a lot. So he did, but he was like a good guy in that. And then what else has he been in? <laughs> I think that's the only one that you've seen. No, that's not true. I've definitely seen him in other things for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I what? just can't remember. Like, like what? Hello, early Alzheimer's brain. You expect me to know? I'm not going to go through this anyway. <sighs> yeah, obviously we're you know. Uh, oh, he was in Out of Sight. He was in Out he of Sight. He wasn't Out of Sight. Um, where he plays, you know. Not a totally like good guy. He's in prison and he's kind of a scammer. But uh, right, obviously we know him more from his comedic roles. And this, he is a bad dude. And that was shocking to me because as the movie, a went bad on, dude with no eyebrows. Did he not have eyebrows? I noticed that the second time. I was like, what happened to his eyebrows? He's so bad, the eyebrows jumped off of him because <laughs> they, they were so scared. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I just think it's funny because he does naturally, part of Albert Brooks's persona is that he's kind of, if not warm, he's ingratiating. And even if you kind of like hold him at arm's distance, you're still kind of like, you kind of trust him even in spite of yourself because he's just ingratiating. Yes. And the further along we get in this movie, the worse he gets. And by the end, I was just like, holy crap, Albert Brooks. Like, I never want to shake hands with that man ever. 
ever. But he he had shades that made him like different from you know bad guys you see in a lot of these movies where they're just like bad to the, bad to the bone. <laughs> <laughs> he he was the bad guy that as shit started going down and spiraling out of control, he was still the kind of guy that was like, "Look what you made me done," you know. I didn't want to do this. And look what you've made me done. I have to get my hands dirty, dirtier, dirtier, what? I'm raising my hand because I pulled up his internet movie database profile because I was like, I know I've seen him in other things. <sighs> I just feel like it's worth noting that under Drive, which is his number one, his number two is The Simpsons. I'm not crazy. And then two under that is The Simpsons movie. Also not crazy. I didn't say you are crazy. I just thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> that <laughs> it's a second hand on here. You know Albert Brooks from The Simpsons. And also from Finding Nemo. He was in Finding Nemo. It's true. He was the played the dad fish. Yeah. And we already discussed broadcast news. All right. Well, let's not talk about his IMDb profile. <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's how I know him. So yeah, he was kind of like the uh, the the yang to the yin of the driver, where he was as the movie went along, tension built and built and built, and he just became, you know. Badder and badder and badder. Now, we have um, a difference of opinion here. It's not a difference of opinion. I know that he played partners to the guy played by Ron Perlman in the movie. Right. But partners in that Ron Perlman's character was kind of like a, a loose cannon, like, wuss. Right. And, and, um... Albie. You know, Albie. Albert Brooks of Simpsons fame <laughs> was the actual, like, the big bad. Like, the guy that pretty much runs stuff. See, I disagree. I, I feel like they both had hand in, quote, running stuff. Well, again, let's not go... They just take specific. turns cleaning up each other's messes. And Albert Brooks is used to cleaning up Ron Perlman mess. did nothing in this movie. He did nothing. He, he didn't... There, there's a history, obviously, because his people shattered Shannon's pelvis. Okay, but that, that doesn't happen... On screen in the movie. No, but they talk about it. Okay. But did he do anything? Not only did he not do anything of consequence in terms of hurting anyone, his final scene kind of made you like, what a wuss. Yeah, why did he go into the ocean? <laughs> what was that all about? Spoiler alert. He went to sleep with the fishes, see? <laughs> Evidently. No, that that whole scene was, wow, that was great. It was kind of like... Uh, um, Jason takes Manhattan. It was, instead, it was like Jason goes to the beach. <laughs> okay. Jason Voorhees, Friday the Thirteenth. No, with a mask. No. Oh, he's not the kid with the with the with the with the nails. <laughs> the nails. <laughs> the kid. The kid. The kid with the nails. <laughs> I don't know what a Allen moment. I don't know what just talking about Pinhead. No, the nails. That's Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah. <laughs> Those are knives. <laughs> I can't help it. You just showed me a preview for a fake porn with Freddy Krueger. He didn't have any sort of like knives. We had dildos for fingers. <laughs> Those aren't nails either. <laughs> you actually saw both two Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You thought those were nails all along? Yes. Wow. Chrissy's <laughs> very good on home improvement. Just break his nails and then it'll be okay. <laughs> Because he's, like, trying to, to nail something into the wall with knives. Why isn't this nail working? No, I mean, like, actual nails. Not, like, nails that you hang things with. Like, the nails on my hand. Fingernails. 
Those were fingernails. Like really long ones. <laughs> no? So anyway. Okay. Albert Brooks. Awesome. <laughs> big guy. Like I didn't, like in this movie you're like, man, he's really big, like tall, big. Especially really? that scene where um, he's watching um, Ryan Gosling's character at the racetrack. And even though he's like up, like standing up on like. Like bleachers or something, you're like, he just looks really big. Well, they did that on purpose, obviously, to put him on top and make him the more intimidating person. (laughs) No, really. But he was also tall when he was like down on the ground, you can tell. I don't think he was that tall. I think maybe, maybe 5'11. Apparently, he conned the way he um, got the director to give him the part because, I mean, obviously, he's never been in a movie. Where he's been, you know, the big bad guy. Right. Was he, like, shoved the director into the wall like this? Like, like No, like, he I can be bad. didn't. That's what I hear. That's what I read. What? Yeah. For real? Which, by the way, the guy that directed this movie, he's a Danish guy. He uh, did this movie called Bronson mm-hmm. with, with Tom Hardy. Crazy freaking movie, dude. Like, I saw that this summer. It's on Netflix streaming. Uh-huh. And after it was over, I was like, okay, I will watch virtually any movie this director does after it's because it's so, like, out of gourd crazy. Did you know that he turned down the role of Edward Lewis in Pretty Woman? Are you still on Albert Brooks's IMDb page? <laughs> Would you please stop? I was trying to find out his height, but I failed. He's a big guy. Okay. Anyway, he's very intimidating in this movie. Oh, extraordinarily. But like I said, with that, again, with the subtlety, but in that way where you think maybe he has the potential to be ingratiating, or at the very least, at the very least, understanding. But So, so it's him and then his partner, Nina. lesser partner, Nina, played by Ron Perlman. Equals. Who has a huge face. Oh my God, his face is... I don't even know what to compare it like to. He's, like he, me and him could be huge face slash head brothers because we have big, no. big heads. He's got like three jaws instead of one. Well, he played uh, the Beast on the Beauty and the Beast TV show. That was appropriate with Linda Hamilton. Appropriate. But in this movie, like I said, he's kind of a wuss. Well, he just let, lets others do the dirty work for him, and when it comes time to take care of his own dirty work. <laughs> He's typical mob mentality of like, I don't know what to do when it comes to cleaning up my own mess. I'll just run into the ocean. <laughs> Pretty much. And Albert Brooks is like, oh man, I guess this means I have to fork somebody in the eye. Dude, he had forks. He had like a razor blade. Oh, the scalpel. Like, it was a scalpel. No, but he had like a display case. Yeah, he really did. He had a case full of like little cut cutsy treasures with which to maim you. So those were the two main bad guys, and then on the other side, the the yin to the yang of Ron Perlman's character was uh, Shannon, played by Brian Cranston. Love him, who I love, and who you love as an actor and in real life. Apparently, you met him. I did meet him, and everybody was like freaking out when he was coming to um, my show and I was just like I would have freaked out too like I would have if you would have told me I would have just been like hanging out in the room like when he came in and be like I don't watch Breaking Bad and stuff like that I mean I watched Malcolm in the Middle but it doesn't count (laughs) you were in The Simpsons you were a guest (laughs) voice on The Simpsons that's how I know you and so I loved your guest work on The Simpsons right so everybody's kind of like it's funny whenever when people actually get starstruck around where I work they 
as opposed to like going up to the person being like, man, I'm sorry. I just have to tell you, I really love you. They like get all like weird and like kind of like follow and gossip and want to know what he's doing. And then if he walks by, like they fall silent and like look down at their feet, like, like, Soldiers. Like they're autistic or something? No, like really shy soldiers. <laughs> really shy soldiers. <laughs> yeah. Well, like they're in line. That's how you get killed in the war well, if you're no. like that. They're like, if, if like boot camp, it's like they're in line to do his bidding, but they don't want to look him in the eye. And they're like, you know, well, it's a, like a respect well, measure. It's weird. You can understand that because there have been, there are celebrities that actually don't like you to look them in the eye. And when you're on set with them, they tell Freak their out. assistants. Yeah, and, never by themselves. They tell their assistants. Yeah. Don't look them in the eye. Which is ridiculous, because I always... And so, it helped me, because I didn't really know... I mean, I knew who he was, but I didn't know who he was. So, when he came up to hang out, I was like, hey! And we had a conversation. He's very quick. He's like, don't look me in the eye. No, not at all. He's <laughs> he is extraordinarily quick-witted. Like, it was banter. Like, snap, snap, snappy. Nice. Well, anyway, he was great in this movie. Yes, he was. As a guy who is kind of like a father figure, but not to the driver, who... Pretty much exploits. He's a sympathetic figure. Him as, well, kind of sympathetic. No, he is. I mean, he walks around with a shattered pelvis for the entire movie. He's but he, never had a lot of luck, according to Albert Brooks himself. But he kind of, like, pretty much gets the driver in a lot of doo-doo and gets a lot of people killed. But he meant well. And he was there when Gosling got shot in the arm or had shrapnel or whatever and he was trying to get it out. Like, that was obviously the person, Shannon, his character was the person that Gosling turned to. Mm-hmm. So had Gosling never turned to him, this whole mess would have never even happened. Yep. So wait, that's why he's sympathetic? Yeah, he doesn't have good luck. He means to help and, like, bad things happen to him. Yeah, but he also was the reason that the bad guys found out where your your girl hey, Miss Denny's I'm sorry. was living. Any guy who is working an auto body shop or whatever in Reseda and Hey, right down the road. We should go say hey. And we will talk about all that in a minute. And has <gasps> This movie was made in LA. Have, we have to talk about it. <laughs> and has a shattered pelvis automatically garners some sympathy, especially if he's a sympathetic person. And he was. You know when we went in to watch this movie I was fully number one when the, when the soundtrack came up and it was like synthy eighties type music. I was like, oh, "Chrissy's gonna hate this movie." <laughs> no. And then and then right after that, I was like, "No, she's gonna love this movie because it was filmed in L.A. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> it's about a guy that drives through L.A. I, I just imagine Chrissy watching this movie and be like, "Hey, look, I've driven there. Oh gosh, I know what that is. Oh, look." <laughs> I spent a big portion of the movie the first time we watched it looking at the locations. They weren't trying to figure out exactly where they were. I'm just happy that a movie is actually being filmed in L.A. Because there's been so much runaway production where they, like, film in Vancouver. Or Louisiana. Or, or, oh, Battle Louisiana. Louisiana. (laughs) Like, this movie was actually made in L.A., you know, employed people in L.A. Yes. Uh, Make your freaking movie in Los Angeles, people. Spotlit parts of the city that usually don't get a lot of play in movies. True, like Westlake. (laughs) Echo Park, Santa Clarita, you know? Yeah, which was awesome. My favorite part, though, and I I think I might have peed my pants the first time. You peed in your pants? Not literally, but like figuratively. Or maybe piddled. I hate that word, but that's what I meant. Gross. I hate that word. You just didn't poop your pants. No, piddle is like when you pee a little bit. Ow. That was absurd. I don't like the na- the, the word piddle. I don't either. <laughs> it's like right up there with moist. I don't like the word moist. Moist piddling. Yeah. We can stop. Okay. 
I also don't like the word cuddle. <laughs> All right. Enough. I like its connotation, but I don't like the word. Enough. Oh, God. Okay, so... Um, you were talking oh. about how much you loved it because it was filmed in L.A.? No, not just that. I mean, obviously, because you know me and you know that I'm weird about that sort of thing. Because, you know, and I really think, although you're a little desensitized to it because you're like, yeah, guess what? They make movies in Los Angeles, Chrissy. Oh, my God. Wow. I grew up here. Like, this was where I spent my entire childhood. So, you know, although I know um, it's a little bit different because not everything is shot in North Carolina, I feel like you would feel the same way if, like, you were like, I know that street, or I grew up there, I went to that school, as you're watching movies, you know, that were practically shot in your backyard. That being said, with this particular movie, Albert Brooks invites Ryan Gosling out to um, dinner at The Great Wall on, on Sherman Way. I need to tell my audience and your audience, not just you, because you, if I told you this, I spent, like, every weekend there as a kid. I want to say maybe once a week, twice a week. Me, my mom, my grandmother, we would spend, like, three hours. We got to know the owners. Like, I was friends with the owner's daughter. It's not a big restaurant in L.A. It's not like if you go, let's go to Swingers, where a lot of people have heard of that, you know? This is, like, some podunk little Chinese restaurant in the middle of, like, Van Nuys. And the fact that it was mentioned in a huge movie, and that it was actually shot there. They, they, the interiors are that restaurant. And so are the exteriors. That Thank I was God. Saying. I'm glad they didn't have to totally recreate the Great Wall in another. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, you cannot, you cannot shoot at the Great Wall. Well, like, if you watch The Bold and the Beautiful, they're like, oh, let's go to Insomnia. You see, like, the exterior shot of Insomnia, and then the inside's totally a recreated set. Well, there's a big difference between Bold and the Beautiful and Dry. <laughs> True. But I was like, oh, my God, it's in my actual restaurant. It hasn't changed in 20 years, by the way. Well, I stopped eating there in the late 90s because they failed the health inspection righteously, and they continue to not do so great. But back in the day, it's all the time. And Wow, touch you. No, the point I'm trying to make is that you always like get like, oh, whatever, Chrissy. Yeah, I was shot in L.A. But if this were Mr. Gaddy's, which I know is one of your childhood favorite restaurants that you went to a lot, you would be freaking out if Albert Brooks said, let's meet at Mr. Gaddy's. You would die. Because it's an awesome pizza and pasta establishment well, I with died. a salad bar. Well, mine was an awesome Chinese establishment with fortune cookies. Oh, well, some someday someone's going to make a, you know, a crime noir thriller in North Carolina, and there's going to be a showdown at the Mr. Gaddy's <laughs> or, or the Bojangles where, you know, somebody's going to launch some projectile chicken biscuits. At- I actually cannot wait till this day happens just so you can be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Christy, I know that blazer. I went there and I'll be like... You know, Justin, things get shot in North Carolina all the time now. It started way back with Dawson's Creek. Yeah, but... Uh-huh. But they didn't... They shot Dawson's Creek for, like... Six uh, years. Massachusetts. Like, it wasn't... They didn't live in North Carolina. And yeah, they did. Creek. No, they lived there while they shot it. No, I'm talking about that's not where the characters lived. I see what you're saying. One Tree Hill? Huh? One Tree Hill? I don't watch One Tree Hill. Do they live in North Carolina on One Tree Hill? Do they actually name check it? I don't watch the show either, but I'm going to go ahead. Toddlers and Tiaras. There you go. So let's talk about... Who did, who have we not talked about? Oh, I know who oh. we haven't talked about. Christina Hendricks. All right. Let's talk about her for a minute. No, let's talk about her for 30 seconds. Okay. Go. I didn't even realize it was she when she first came on the screen, even though I had previously seen her name in the opening credits. They totally made her not look anything like herself, especially if you watch Mad Men. Yet, 
she was um, wide-eyed and interesting in her part. She was hot, and she had a badonkadonk. I was surprised she had badonkadonk. I knew she had boobly, like boobly boobies. Boobly boobies. <laughs> yeah, they didn't push her boobs up to her chin in this. She had badonkadonk. But she had curves. I liked it. She should have stayed stayed in the mood for longer. Do you prefer curves like that? I mean, as opposed to like. Mm. Like, like no curves, like a boy. Yes, I prefer, to like Carrie Mulligan. I prefer curves. <laughs> simple Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> She's so simple. <laughs> Speaking of simple, uh-huh. the first time after we watched the movie, of course, I had to go online and like read about what people thought. Yeah. Apparently, a lot of people thought that the character of the driver was autistic. <laughs> really they're like why does he talk more is he autistic and i was like (laughs) what hallmark of autism huh that's not really a hallmark of autism i know that but the second time watched it through i was like what if he was autistic (laughs) jesus would explain so little but so much no it wouldn't i don't think autistic people can i mean forgive me if they can i don't think they can drive like that (laughs) (laughs) i think they would I, I think that they would get, like, distracted. See, I don't think that's fair, because there needs to be an autistic hero in a film. You're right. Her name was Temple Grandin, and it was played by Claire Danes, just, like, a year ago. Was she a good driver? I didn't watch that movie. She made her own thing. Did she drive cars backwards? She invented things for animals. Like, animals that could drive cars backwards? Animals that were going to be slaughtered. Anyway, I thought that was funny. Obviously, he's not autistic. Um, but, <laughs> but... Um, another thing I saw was reading a Gosling interview. He said about the superhero thing. He said that he saw his character as a guy who kind of, you know, he's in these movies and he starts to become, he starts to think that he's in his own movie and his own superhero within this movie. And so he's a superhero and his main superpower is he's... A really good freaking driver, number one. And number two, he's got his own like costume with the really cool scorpion jacket, which again, I think people should there should be someone out there right now. It's what? September nineteenth, mass producing these scorpion jackets. I bet you they are. I bet you they're on eBay. Oh, I want one. I want a scorpion jacket that will get progressively dirty and dirtier. It'll and I won't be wash. bloodier and bloodier. Yeah, I'm like, dude, won't you drive to a laundromat? <laughs> And then he's got his driving gloves, his toothpick. That's his superhero costume. That's true. That was very deep, by the way. Huh? Your whole little synopsis there was very deep. But his, his superhero power is is obviously driving. Because throughout the movie when he's driving, I mean, some of these situations I would have been like behind the wheel going, you know, letting out some F-bombs. Because oh, yeah. it gets pretty tense. Not one time does he get like, you know... Nervous at all driving. No. It's when he's outside of the car and shit starts to go down that he starts to get, like, nervous and, like, sweaty and, like... Yeah. You know, crazy with a hammer or whatever, so... Crazy with a hammer. Oh, my God. When he brought that hammer out, I was just like, what is he going to do with that? And I kind of freaked out. Strangest strip club scene ever. Like, you go... This guy goes to a strip club... Not, like, in the actual, like, stripping part of the club, but, like, the dressing room. Yeah. He's got a hammer. He's obviously going to do something bad with it. 
And these strippers who, I don't know where the strip club was, but talking about some <laughs> really fake boob strip club, wherever this was. Totally. These strippers were not phased at all by the fact that he had a hammer and was about to get violent. No. It was like, this is just another day at the strip club. <laughs> you know, they're just like not even talking. They're just hanging out in the breeze with their huge boobs. Is that how it went down at that car wash, North Carolina, where people were like naked but washing cars? Oh, you're talking about Harper's Two Car Wash? Yeah. Would they have that same reaction? I've never been there. I've only heard about this place. Like, really? Well, dude, when I want my car washed, I want it washed. I don't want some girls <laughs> to just rub their boobies all over it. <laughs> Get, like, booby prints on it. You were the only one, my friend. Like, I guess if you want to go and take, like, a case of beer. Like, it's BYOB. You can take a case of beer and, like, sit at the car wash and watch other people's cars get their you know boobies all over it but <laughs> the cars get the boobies all over it but no these girls aren't doing anything they're just sitting on their ass you know like watching it go down watching it go down not moving not calling 911 no you're right whatever by the way would you get off your phone no i'm going to make Jeez. a point i think that that you have a point in saying let's manufacture these scorpion jackets because i was trying surreptitiously to see if there are any on ebay and there are not you Some, should get on that right now. Right this minute. Dude, I was just saying, if I had a, a jacket factory right now, I would be like, I'd be like, a thousand scorpion jackets, <laughs> just like the one the driver has, because you know people are going to be Halloween wanting those things. Like, we left the, the, the first showing in the movie, and like... I wanted to drive around L.A. really fast. You did. You basically were like, let's go. You, you go, I, I let's took get you, some food to go. And I was like, okay. And you were like, I'd be willing to go as far as Woodland Hills. And I'm like, <laughs> why? And then I figured it out because once we got in the car, you were like. Yeah. I gave you five minutes to go in and get the Chinese. But Take it was out. really because you wanted to listen to the same song over and over again. There are 19 songs on this soundtrack that we downloaded. And you really just were interested in the one. What? The, just this one. That's the only one you were interested in. Are you talking about the Night Call song? Is that what's called? The Night Call? It's called Night Call. I drove to work this morning and I was like doing like the head beat to the song. Yeah. I saw you. I looked over and I'm like. And I totally beat you to work, by the way. I was like. <laughs> I pretended I have, had the driving gloves on. Mm-hmm. And then the elevator at work, I beat this guy's head into a pulp. It really didn't make me miss having a two-door car that rode low to the ground. I will tell you that. Anyway, I mean, you can't get out of this movie and not want to buy the soundtrack. Even even the, I agree. There's only like five songs with words, but the rest of the songs, you're just like... They're really good. They're very moody. You're yes. just like, oh, yeah. I actually really agree with you on that. I know that we laugh and, and joke about how much I hate 80s synth and music and whatever, so, but I this wasn't an actually, it was an homage in a way to I want to shoot it some, was not. It was I want to shoot some driver fanfic where I just like driver oh my God. <laughs> and get into other adventures. Whole new level of nerddom. So wait, we, we'd be doing a disservice to our listening public if we didn't at least talk about the end with the caveat that it's a spoiler alert. Well, let's, before we talk about the end, let me talk about my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, please. Um, it's in the middle of the movie, and I know a lot of people will be, we just mentioned part of it, but it's the only part in the movie where there's any semblance, except for hand-holding, like, in between them. Oh, I know. There's a kiss. Oh, my God. And it's the only only time they kiss. Any time of, oh. of romantic 
feelings, it's the elevator scene. Oh, Tell Justin, me about the elevator scene. I can't. Why not? My heart just like stopped. I almost forgot that existed. You you were dreaming it was you. I have such a thing for elevator scenes in general. I'm sorry, Romeo and Juliet, elevator scene. This movie, elevator scene. Devil? No. <laughs> <laughs> I draw the line there. But there's I don't know what it is about a slow motion kiss in an elevator. It's just it's romantic, it's hot, it's sultry, it's unexpected, it's it's gorgeous, and it was shot well. Some people, I think, think that that whole thing was a dream. Like, the whole kiss was a dream. No, it was not. Because it was slow motion. The lighting The changed. lighting changed. Like, it was like, they were like in... They spotlight. Heaven. Like, it was a fantasy. No. I don't think... Well, and then... What if I look after? And, and then, and after the first time I watched it, I was like, what? If you were in an elevator, you know, Gosling and the girl walk into the elevator. There's a guy already in the elevator who's a yeah. bad guy who has a gun. Gosling sees the guy has a gun. Would your first reaction to be to turn your body away from this guy with the mm. gun and kiss this girl that you're supposed to be protecting? He didn't turn his body away. He turned towards. He turned to his right shoulder. He was... At the forefront well, of the well, he, he wanted to brush her back so she, she was away from him. Right, he, which was but, very romantic in and of but itself. But still, his back was to this guy with a gun. It really wasn't. It was. No, because here's what he happened. He was definitely not facing. They were originally standing together almost like a, um, a uh, compacted triangle with Carrie Mulligan taking <laughs> the point. No. The hypotenuse <laughs> of his arm. <laughs> no, I mean, it wasn't like a big one. It was like compacted together. And then he, when he realized that... Okay, that this was going to go down, he moved Carrie, Mul- Gul- uh, Carrie Mulligan behind him and like one fell swoop, he was just kind of like, and you know, with his arm, he swept her, he swept her behind him. Yes. And keeping his eyes forward the whole time. You still have, it's not, you don't, you're not like a duck or a horse where you have tunnel vision, like you can still see on the sides. And so he saw him on the side the whole time. And if you, pretend he was on my left as opposed to my right. He turned this way to kiss her. But I can still see you out of the corner of my eye the whole time. Yep. I don't know. His eyes he's, His eyes were kind of closed because he was in the moment of kissing oh her. Oh my god, he's such a good kisser. Can we just establish that? Oh, he's very good at slow motion kissing. Oh my god. Anyway. <laughs> although I thought his back was kind of to the bad guy i did like that scene it was a good scene and the fact that he (laughs) he just totally that was that was the point that was like the midway point of the movie and all the tension had been built up to this guy you're like is he gonna like what's gonna happen he pretty much snapped and he turned into a psychotic (laughs) face smashing killer not one not one kick to the face was enough 17 i counted I can't believe you counted. Well, because the second time I knew it was going to happen, so I just shut my eyes. And I could hear, though, the, the stomp every time. Mm-hmm. I was like, one, two. He's three, very savvy on Glover in that scene. Five. He's like, and right around the time he got to like 11, I think they must have shown like the contents of what was left of this guy's face because everybody was like, oh, in the movie. And even after the oh moment, he did it another six times. Yeah. And, and at, at that point, simple, you know, Carrie Mulligan. Just didn't know what to say. She had to go. She had to go to her shift at Denny's, like <laughs> thinking about that the whole about, time. You know, she was thinking about because he didn't even get out of the elevator. He no. just stayed in the elevator. I guess he, he did. He clean it up. He swept up. <laughs> Do you know what she was thinking about? Double grand slams. Grand slams. Yeah. <laughs> Big tootie, fresh and fruity. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's IHOP. First of all. Oh, okay. And that's like porn IHOP. But 
She worked at the she worked at the Denny's like underneath the bridge down on the ten downtown. She no, you know what? She, um, she was like very red hot chili peppers. She worked in the one when you're going on the four hundred five south and you're gonna go to like Rosencrantz to have some pizza. Like she worked in that Denny's off to the side on the left. <laughs> but she, you know, she had to be like Rainier at Imperial. that shift at, at Denny's. Like man, my. <laughs> this guy who I had a crush on just totally obliterated this guy's face like, and head. And he looked like so like, yeah, is it okay? Yeah, oops. Like he had this almost sheepish look on his face afterward as he's looking at her. He's like covered in showered blood. And that that moment was supposed to be like the moment that uh, Lois Lane like realizes that Clark Kent is Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the total opposite because... Again, he's got like brain matter all over his face. Maybe it's the point where Beauty realizes it's really the beast. Exactly. Yeah. Like, did you think he was uh, like a psychotic or a sociopath? Well, the look on his face after he did it was totally like, if you could read his mind at the moment, which I felt like I could, was, I did this for you. Like, that was his face. I did this for you. Simple dog. (laughs) Larp. Parp. Parp. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my favorite scene. Um, and then... <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy, do you think you could be a getaway driver? We talked about this. Yes. Because obviously every person that watches this movie... <laughs> Everyone. They, they, they come out of this movie thinking, <laughs> could I do this? Could and I be it, a getaway driver? I'm not talking about the stomping people and like... No, I couldn't do any of that. Like stabbing people hey, with oh. shower rods <laughs> through the chest. Oh, no. I'm talking about just the... Just drive. As long as it doesn't as it doesn't involve like stunt work, like we saw in Sand Canyon. No, see, that's that's where we differ on this because I think you would be a good stunt driver because <laughs> stunt driving is just like getting into crashes and crashing into stuff. The getaway part that would be hard for you because the getaway ends once you crash into things. <laughs> Which, by the way, we didn't even talk about the the whole first scene in this movie, or I the first, that first sequence. Sequence is probably the best first sequence in a movie that I can like remember in like years. Incidentally, I have to quickly defend myself because I only run into things when I'm distracted. If my whole job were to get away from people, I wouldn't be distracted. I'd be like, I have to get away from these motherfuckers, and I'd be driving really fast to get away from them. And you have to give me credit for at least one thing, Chrissy. You crashed. Into our apartment building. <laughs> like the actual building. <laughs> I didn't crash into it. I backed into it. People do that all the time. And I was distracted. The other point is that I don't drive like a typical woman. I'm not a grandma behind my wheel. I don't get freaked out when I drive canyons. And I'm not one of those women who are like, oh, let me let me say you know first. And then I get over. And I also don't drive like I'm good at calculus. If you know what I'm saying. I drive like a man. A man that crashes into things a lot. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, the whole You'd have to have multiple cars. Like, <laughs> your friend would have to be Shannon because you would need a whole, like, car <laughs> lot. A fleet. Exactly. Okay. All right, let's talk about the end real quick. Yes. So. We, I thought we were talking about the opening sequence. Oh, we just said it's the best. Oh, it's freaking awesome. Well, I mean. It any, caught me right there. Any person who's ever driven in L.A. Know, knows how hard it, it is to get around fast in L.A. Especially downtown. So to be a getaway driver in L.A. downtown Ugh. at night, 
you know, around the time of a Clippers game, it's going to be really difficult. His, his premise, though, and how he how he got around the police was genius. Yeah, genius. It's not just driving fast; it's driving smart. It made me want to buy a police scanner. Yeah, for my car. Anyway, it's very good. Yeah. Fast forward to the end. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Some something happens. There's a confrontation. Mm-hmm. The driver gets Maimed. stabbed in the gut. Yeah. And he makes really bad sounds, too, when it happens. The last thing we see of him is him, like... Looking catatonic. <laughs> looking catatonic. Which he does several times in the movie. But this time <laughs> you're like, is he dead now? I keep looking at his eyelashes. I was like, an eyelash twitched, an eyelash twitched. He's alive. And then the next scene you see is... Uh, simple Carrie Mulligan character going to check, knocking his door, and then the next thing is him driving through the night. Yeah, like he, and he's still he's bleeding. All better. He's still bleeding. He hasn't driven himself to a hospital. No, obviously. and I thought about that. I was like, is he going to go to a doctor? He couldn't he just like lie and say he fell down some stairs. With and then knives? that's the end. It's like the end of Shane. Like you're like, he's been, you know, he's been maimed. Is he going to die? Does he? Die? I really didn't want that to be, to be the ending. I really wanted there to be an epilogue, but. This is one of those few movies where I felt like it was good without the epilogue. Like, I still didn't get... I didn't get pissed when it was over without one. Were you mad that he didn't go back and sweep her off her feet? No, I was mad that he didn't take the money. I was like, are you kidding me? You left the money well, with dead Albert Brooks? Obviously, number one, she didn't want the money. Because when he mentioned giving yeah, it to her... she got mad. She slapped him. She got mad. Number two, we know he didn't want the money because, again, he had nothing in his apartment. Donate <laughs> you know, it! He had three jobs... What was he using all this money for? Donate it. Give it to the kid. No. The reason he, he left the money was because, and they said this a couple times in the movie, the money go, the money goes up. Like, it'll be found out. If you take the money, you'll be found out because the mafia, it was mob money. Yeah. And he didn't want, obviously he didn't want the money. He didn't want to leave the money with her because he, he wanted to protect her. Right. And all the players in the game were pretty much gone. Right. And he had to drive off to somewhere else. Mexico or Belize? That's a long way to drive. With it a, is, with a wound. With a wound. Like a really bad wound. Maybe he was driving. He's looking for Chrissy. <laughs> I'm here! <laughs> so what will be your final grade for a drive now that we've talked about it for so long? A minus. A minus. Yeah, on a, or, or possibly an A if I saw it a third time, but A minus. I'd probably get an A. It's one of my favorite movies I've seen this year, definitely. I wish we would have done this with Crazy Stupid Love as our double feature, but you didn't see that. No, I didn't. It was great. I'm glad it was great. I'll definitely check it out on Netflix. Or see it again. Okay. Okay. All right, let's quickly talk about License to Drive. Sure. Chrissy, you'd never seen License to Drive. No. Um, this is one of those movies as a kid. Drive was really cool. Relentlessly cool, cool movie. As a kid, I thought License to Drive was really cool. <laughs> and it was in the trilogy of Corey movies. Uh... Lost Boys was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. And then License to Drive was number two. And then number three was Dream a Little Dream, which you haven't seen. No. But License to Drive. And seeing it again pretty much reinforces the fact that the first half of License to Drive is really, really good. The second half, Meh. not so much. It reminded me of Adventures in Babysitting. Kind of the same way where it's like it's building up, it's building up. And then it just unravels to a ball of crazy. I think I think Adventures in Babysitting has a better second half than License to Drive, but like I said, the first half of License to Drive, like the setting up of 
of him, of his parents, of what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Especially the whole thing, the whole thing involving the DMV. Like, oh, Le- License Drive great. has the best, you know, I can't think of another movie that has, like, another part about the DMV where you're like, okay, that's a great DMV couple of scenes. It occurs to me that I would have been totally freaked out if, if the actual written DMV test had to have been taken the way they did, where they're all sitting at computers and it's multiple choice. I'm like, does you fail? Dude, not only that, the whole him with the the driver with the coffee cup. I oh. mean, this came out when I was like, what, eight years old? And I was always, <laughs> I was already like, is that really how it is? <laughs> oh my gosh. I am so drive. scared. I've got eight more years to really get nervous and have lots of anxiety about this. That's hilarious. So, yeah. And then after all that, he still doesn't get his license. I'm like, what? Come on. Well, even as a kid, I was like, dude, just take your test on Monday. You'll be cool. They make you wait. Huh? They make you wait. There's like a waiting period when you fail. Really? Yep. How long? Oh, geez. I don't remember. It's not that long. Because I knew people that failed when I was a kid. There's one... (laughs) There's one friend of mine that, um... They were, he was supposed to go over like a railroad track. Yeah. And he hit it in like cruise control and like went flew and flew oh, over the road no. track and failed just because of that. Well, you're not supposed to use cruise control during a test. Exactly. That but will I, teach you. But luckily I didn't have like a really, uh, you know, the guy with the coffee cup like he did. I had a woman who was like in her 70s, I think. Oh, really? And I was afraid that she was going to die during my test. <laughs> she was so old. Oh, no. She was so old. How many did you get wrong on your actual driving test? Oh, the written test? No, the actual driving test. I, don't, I think I did. I think I passed with flying colors. Oh, you didn't get anything off? Because she was like, when I was a young <laughs> kid, we were in buggies. <laughs> Make sure you. You know? That's so hard to hit my head. No, she was really, really old. Like, I think I had to help her put on her seatbelt. I had a guy who had a clipboard who wouldn't let me see it the whole time. And then when we got back to the DMV, before he would tell me how I did, held it to his chest and started asking me questions. He's like, when we were at the red light and you looked left and then right and then in your rear view, why didn't you look left one more time? And I was like, I don't know. Why didn't you bring that up at the time? Right? And by turn out, I only got minus four, so I passed. You could get, like, minus 16 and pass. Did he have uh, his own uh, pedal on his side? He might have. No, 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 wait, no, because you, you use your own car. You, you If you have a car, you come with your own car, and you do the oh, test in right. your car. That was driver's ed. Yeah, you're thinking of driver's ed. Oh, those cars. I hated that in driver's ed. It drove me crazy. I'm like, what's going on? So, anyway, first half of license drive, great. The other part that I love about License to Drive is um, Mercedes Lane. Heather Graham? Yes. Are you a big Heather Graham fan? I was when I was eight years old. And then you saw Boogie Nights. And I saw Boogie Nights. No, she's Swingers. Yeah, Boogie Nights. Yeah, I mean, in this movie. Yeah. Like I said, I guess when I was eight years old, I was like, so, the dream girl, that's what she does. She just sits around at her house reading magazines like... On the floor with her feet propped on up the on the floor. bed. On the floor. That's what she does. Yeah. She's just waiting for me to call her. Oh my gosh. You are crazy. <laughs> and then I found my own Mercedes Lane. The blonde. Oh likes dear. to read magazines on the floor with her feet propped up. And who gets so drunk you have to put her in the trunk? I know. <laughs> Sometimes you have to. 
That was terrible. Can we talk about, like, the random not homeless but drunk guy who, like, took their car in the second half and was driving off in it and tore it up? Like, tore the roof off in places, totally gashed out the side, hit a few things in the front. And I was like, at this point, don't you stop chasing him and just, like, chalk it up to the car being stolen slash insurance? Don't drink and drive, kids. Well, obviously that too. But they went to great lengths, in fact, risking their own lives to get the car back. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are you trying so hard to get the car back when you could just claim an insurance claim on it? Well, that's true. But that's thinking logically and not within the confines of a movie, I guess. Oh. Okay. <laughs> well, so, is there anything else? I know you liked the, um, the parents in License Drive are very well played. By Carol King yeah. and uh, Richard Messer. They are, and I hate to say this, but in a lot of 80s teen comedies, the parents are almost a throwaway. But they're not in this movie. No, they're really not. They're probably one of the best parts about the movie. And Carol King is pregnant, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. She just wakes up in the middle of the night. First she thinks she's in labor, and then she doesn't think that she's so. Then she's like wandering around, then she decides she's hungry. Then she just like passes out. She's funny. I like her. Did you ever think about stealing your parents' car when you were a kid? Um, like how young? 15. Well, I had a car when I was 15. My dad got me one to learn on. Oh, well. Lucky, huh? Well, I needed something to learn on. <laughs> to learn on? Yeah. Okay. And it ended up being my car when I was 16. It was a 95 Chevy Camaro. Whoa. Yeah. That's pretty nice. It was a nice car. And then I crashed it. <laughs> Of course you did. I crashed that one righteously, though. I, I'm lucky I'm alive. Like, I'm talking spinning out on the 118 in the rain, almost getting hit by a semi and then hitting the center. See, I imagine Drive 2 with you as the getaway driver. <laughs> Is this like the Saturday Night Live version? <laughs> you're like waiting in the car for five minutes. They finally get in and you're just like... <laughs> you just like run into like a, a pylon I'm not or something. Like a, I'm not like a wind-up car where you just wind it up and let it go and it goes... Like off the table. <laughs> Worst getaway driver ever. No, I'd be awesome. I don't know, hon. I don't know how good you'd be. I would be great. I don't know. I, I, have I totaled any cars in the last 10 years? No, but you're overly cautious. Overly cautious? Yeah, you like look too much. Look too much? <laughs> Comes from the girl who, again... <laughs> Totaled a few cars. Got a lot of accidents. I know I say that because, like, in this movie, you almost... Sometimes you have to act before you even look. Like, you just kind of have to almost know where the cars are going to be when you turn down a blind spot on the street because you you're getting away. Whatever. I've been driving around with night call blaring going pretty fast. In the past day? <laughs> I've learned a lot in my two viewings of Drive. Wow. Okay. Seriously, guys, you should download the Drive soundtrack and just blare number one over and over again. Please wear giant Ray-Ban sunglasses while you're doing it to, like, aviators. And just kind of, like, bob your chin back and forth. I'm not going to drive at night with aviators on. <laughs> That's how you get into a crash. You should talk to the lead singer of Duran Duran, because that guy never takes his glasses off. Oh, Ever. Dude, if you're the lead singer of Duran Duran, why should you have to take your glasses off? I guess you don't have to. Anyway, I am seriously going to go on eBay and look for this scorpion jacket. All right, so... I'll help you find some. Really? Hey, if you all, yeah, and if we can't find it, but you all know where to find one of those scorpion jackets similar to what Gosling wore in Drive, find us on Twitter at Justin Winters or at Chris Winters with the K, and make our dreams come true. My birthday's coming up. No, it's not. My birthday's coming up. 
Oh, that's right. Someone get the scorpion jacket for Chrissy's birthday for me. Yep, yep. I will gift him with my birthday present. Please do it. And that's all we have to say. The gift that keeps on giving. Oh, dear. Birthday gift from you to me. Oh, that's so romantical. I think I'll kiss you in an elevator now. Dude, if someone had a gun in an elevator and I knew if they were after you, I would beat their face in and then kiss you. You stink. So I get the bloody version. That's Br- great. The brain batter all oh. over my face. Oh, no. Hey, I just saved your life. Thanks. <laughs> I love you. Thank you. <laughs>